Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network and a Raise Your Voice episode that I wanted to do a lot later into the fall. I was hoping the Rays would still be playing postseason baseball. And while both the ALCS and the NLCS are going on right now, uh, we over at D-Rays Bay are already focused on the offseason. That's what happens when you get knocked out in the first round so this is our first off-season episode of raise your voice and joining me to kind of give the the post-mortem for this raise season and look ahead as to what the rays might need to do to try to improve next year is d Rays bay senior writer and one of the co-hosts of the who's on worst podcast it's darby robinson hello brett hello everybody listening yeah we are hurtled into the off-season which means uh soon to be probably more time for more who's on worst so yay but uh yeah no did not want to get here just yet felt like there was still more time but you know we'll get into it and 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 it's starting to feel like we had this great run in the tampa bay area for a few years you know the 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 champa bay era and it feels like that magic is starting to wear off the lightning got off to a slow start this season the bucks look completely lost they're three and four right now with a 45 year old starting quarterback Uh, the rays didn't win the division this year Uh, there's only the postseason Uh, the rowdies however did win a playoff game last night they're looking for their third straight eastern conference championship but it it does feel like the magic is kind of wearing off and 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 just like the rays that the bucks really are completely lost on on offense right now oh it's the it's the complete like it is the football equivalent uh, we we kind of a running ongoing joke in the Slack about calling all of the other Rays teams or the other Tampa Bay teams forms of the Rays, like the Ice Rays or the Grass Rays for the Bucks. But they are really the Grass Rays right now. It's like a like there's talent. They're competing. They're also kind of competing down, and then they're also losing to bad. They're just bad losses. It's just like a miserable time. Everybody seems we're all having to endure tom brady's own like miserable like cloud with him right now and it's it's not great but the thing is honestly the last few years with how great things are that's why we can be like ho-hum the lightning yeah. multiple time defending cup champions are getting off to a slow start while damn coast has like six goals out of his like yeah. first like <laughs> five games and then the rays oh we made it to the postseason but then lost you know we made the postseason again but then lost and the bucks are humiliatingly still leading the division. So it's like and probably will still win the division and still could probably fumble their way into the division itself. Yeah. But it's, it is like the level of like, that is where we have to sort of check the privilege that we have. Uh, not, not saying you should be just grateful and happy with the way things are, they, you know, you can absolutely criticize a lot of what's going on. And heck, if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have content for this podcast, right. but you know, it is one of those things where it's like, wow, 
it is nice to be it's nice that the run that the the champa bay era had because just making the postseason and being leading the division after seven weeks is not good enough and so i like raising the standards is good but we also don't want to slip too much into yankee fandom where we become insufferable jackasses online so yeah for sure for sure well well darby it's been Couple weeks now removed since that that series ended on that Oscar Gonzalez walk off home run in Game Two. He, you know the Guardians were eliminated in the next round. He goes back to the Dominican Republic and gets his own parade, which I thought was awesome. Um, a, a young rookie that probably would have been picked up in the Rule Five draft had there been one this year. The Guardians get to keep him, and he ends up playing a huge role in their season and a walk off to to clinch a, a postseason series. Um, so I've had some time to kind of think and reflect on. On, on this race season, and I'm sure you have too. And and I don't know, like, I don't know where my thoughts are right now. It it felt way different from when the Rays won 100 games and then crashed out in, in four games in the ALDS last year against Boston. Um, this year, it really kind of felt, I, I was expecting, not necessarily that early of an exit, but I wasn't expecting the deep run that... Uh, We've kind of like like we just talked about become accustomed to and this year. It was like okay, it's a coin flip in this Cleveland series, and even though they got swept, it still was a coin flip. It was two very very close games. You know, you had a two to one game in game one where the Guardians just had one more runner on base when they hit their their go ahead home run, and then a scoreless game into the fifteenth when Gonzalez walked it off. So it, it could have gone either way, but I think you know you're looking at a game where you you played. 24 innings or a series where you played 24 innings and scored one run there is a problem there i'm not to say that that you should draw every single conclusion you can about this race team from those two games but you look at what they did over the course of the season they had a 101 wrc plus which was good for seventh in the american league it was remarkably average um and and I, and I don't know you know obviously you can talk about injuries you could talk about some of the young guys they brought up but that was their plan going into the season to bring up the taylor walls the vidal brujans the josh lowes to to make that next step at the big league level ultimately it didn't work out it doesn't you know it doesn't help when brandon lau and wander franco are on the shelf for good chunks of the season and you've got a you know mike zanino who was an, a, one of the biggest parts of your lineup the previous year is is also gone for the majority of the season and even Kevin Kiermeyer, who over his career is around a league average bat, he misses most of the season as well. So I guess I was just expecting it, but I'm not sure, you know, if if the Rays are in a position where you can just say, hey, let's run it back. Let's change a couple. Obviously, you've got a couple free agents. Let's let's bring some replacements either from from minors or to go out and get a couple free agents. Like, I don't know if I love the outlook of this Rays offense moving forward and how it projects you know, not even for next year, but the next three, four, five years. I I don't think it's wrong to say that like this season was a disappointment, especially from the offensive side, because it did feel like it should have been more. And coming off of last year, they they scored over one run less on average. That's one of the biggest drop-offs from from year to year as a team. So you score one full run less on average per game. That's significant and and with the way the Rays pitching is that's the difference between probably 100 wins and 90 wins and finishing what 87 wins I don't even I can't even remember what their end of winning total was 86 but like 86 yeah 
which I know there was a lot to be granted. This is also kind of an aspect of September baseball now with an extra wild card where a lot of teams prioritized resting, not necessarily tanking. Which the Rays did. There was a lot of teams. Yeah, you, you're resting arms. You're getting less. You're, you're trying to get stuff ready for the postseason, which, again, that makes a lot of sense, especially when it comes to three-game series in the first round, total randomness. The Rays were the only road team not to win in the wild card. So, like, I think going forward, I do think we see a lot of teams that maybe are going to look at the wild card round as home field would be nice, but not essential if it means getting healthy. So, yes, the win total at the end of the season, they were still four wins away from 90 and if they needed to win that way, they probably could have gotten there with the pitching, with aggressive pitching. But the offense was definitely was definitely down. It, you know, there's no way to to cut that. I don't know if I share the same pessimism long term, though. And and I I think there's some question marks, but not necessarily bad question marks. I think going into this year, there was question marks long term of like. Could Mike Zunino repeat? Uh, you know, we we didn't think he would get to 30 home runs again, but we thought like, okay, could he be somewhere between the awesome 20, uh, 21 year and the kind of abysmal at the plate 2018, 2019, 2020 years? And then unfortunately got hurt. So I think that was like, okay, we know we we're going to get less, but how much less? We knew we were going to get less production from a lot of areas but like how much less and and it ended up being quite a bit going into next year you still have the potential of a healthy Brandon Lau who is a fantastic bat I mean he has gone kind of toe-to-toe with Rafael Devers in terms of batting lines two unbelievably talented left-handed sluggers in the AL East so that's a big addition Wander Franco this is a, a kind of a struggle for a lot of the year, but he still showed those flashes of what makes him a potentially generational talent. So another year, another year of growth and development and fire towards trying to move past that year. That's good. Randy Rosarena, uh, again, another 2020-20 season. Um, kind of started to press a little bit at the end of the year, but still a guy that's really good. You just want to maybe want to have some guys that are maybe a little bit better hitters than him to push him down as not your best hitter but like your third or fourth best hitter but overall I think the team there's big question marks but there's a lot of fairly potentially easy answers that could come we're not going to know those and we may not feel comfortable starting the season but it could be another one of those years where out of nowhere this raise offense goes from kind of middle of the pack very very mid to back up competing with the Astros for the top offense in baseball like they were in 2021. Uh, yeah, and, and again, with some of these guys, like development isn't linear. A lot of times, Wander Franco, he's comped to a Jose Ramirez. Um, one, because they're switch hitting, you know, shorter, stockier infielders. They're also from the same neighborhood in the Dominican Republic. Um, they grew up playing together. I mean, you look at Jose Ramirez where he had that, that first he had a cup of coffee in 2013 in the big leagues, then comes up in 2014, has an 81 WRC plus, you know, has 350 plate appearances in 2015, a 72 uh, WRC plus. These are his ages 21 and 22 seasons. And then it really wasn't until 2016, his age 23 season, where he took off. And you, and you look at a guy like Juan Franco, yes, who did struggle this season. 21-year-olds are, like, supposed to struggle 
in the major leagues. There are, uh, and I know Wander Franco is a phenom, so he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, kind of fit into the same category as most, even most top prospects do, even most top, you know, number one overall consensus prospects do. He is supposed to be in that level above. Um, but if you take into account the injuries and the fact that he's still 21 and the fact that, like you said, we've seen stretches, the, the, the streak last year, the on-base streak last year, and even stretches this year where you, you saw the player that Wander Franco, I, I think, is almost certainly going to become. It's a matter of, of when, not if. Uh, I'm not too worried about his development. However, like there are, yes, you've got Randy Rosarain, who's probably in the, the prime years of his career. I know he's only a year away or, or a year removed from a rookie of the year, but he's going to be in his age 28 season next year. He's right there in the, the prime years for hitters. You, you look at wins above replacement. I don't think that tells the full story on Randy Rosarena. Yes, he's got to cut down on, on a lot of the base running mistakes or the base. Maybe I, I don't want to say that because I want him to still be aggressive on the base paths, but maybe he gets a little luckier next year on the base paths. Um, and, and, and that wins above replacement number shoots back up, but the offensive numbers are, are really what we expected them to be. Um, but there are a few other guys like, I think in 2021, you had career years from multiple players on offense. And I mean, I think I'm guilty of this too. I was kind of, oh, let's run it back. Let's do it again in 2022. Mike Zanino is the biggest example of that. I mean, his 2021 season, that's that's going to be the best season of his career. I, I mean, I'm pretty comfortable in saying that. And there are a few other guys, like maybe Yanni Diaz, who had an incredible season this year. I'm the biggest Yanni Diaz fan. But to expect him to match the numbers he put up again this year, to do that again next year and the year after that, he's he's in his 30s now. It's it's hard. It's it's not likely. It's not it's not to say that it's impossible, uh, but it's not likely. And to expect that moving forward, I don't know. The young guys, Josh Lowe, again, development isn't always linear. He's not going to, oh, have success in double A, have success in triple A, come to the big leagues and have success. And now all of a sudden, boom, he, he's an all-star caliber player. That's that's not typically how it goes. They're going to have those struggles. And a lot of times when a team is trying to bring up three or four young players that are prospects, they're not in the, you know, the they're not trying to compete for a division title. They're not trying to compete to, to go deep into the postseason. The Rays were. They had the number one farm system. At some point last year, I think going into the offseason, they had a lot of those guys that were big league ready, but at the same time, they were coming off a 100-win season. They were coming off you know, two years before, or a year before that, they were in the World Series. That's that's not typical. Um, so the Rays had this, you know, they wanted to compete, they wanted to be back, but they traded away or you know moved on from some of their more veteran players, the Joey Wendells and the Austin Meadows, and they brought up the Taylor Walls and the Josh Lowe's, and they said, all right, now it's your turn. And you expect them to, to turn it around or to, to take that next step right away um, was probably a little naive, but maybe the Rays expected that. And when you've got, a you know, Brandon Lau, Juan Franco, Randy Rosarena around these guys and Yandy Diaz, uh, you can make it back to the postseason, which is what they did. The Rays front office has told us the goal is to just make it there every year, get another bite at the apple, and then hopefully one year you get hot at the right time, you cash in and, and you win a World Series. And while I don't think that's the worst plan, you get into a situation where, yes, injuries hurt you, but you only won 86 games. The Yankees went on a crazy run in the first half of the season. That would have made it really hard to catch them. Uh, but you you didn't put yourself in a position to win the division this year. Does that change the outcome in the postseason? Probably not. I mean, you, like we're watching right now, eventually you're going to have to run to the Astros. They're handling the Yankees right now. 
Um, but I don't know if I'm as confident. Like I, I, I was skeptical about Josh Lowe coming into this season, high strikeout rates mm-hmm. in the minor leagues. Was he going to be able to handle big league pitching? Taylor Walls never known for his bat. Vidal Brujan ha- plays great in Triple A, but as far as I know, like they're still using the the happy fun ball in Triple A, and so Vidal Brujan just goes down there and mashes. I don't, I don't really have any confidence in those guys offensively to be like everyday big league players moving forward. But are you, I mean, are you a little more optimistic? Well, I think it's a good lesson for people out there to, to not look at minor league stats and project based off of those. Be like, this guy hit X, you know, and just be like, this guy hit 156 WRC plus uh, in, in double A, like, bam, that is a top tier guy. We could use a bat like that because guess what? In the, in double A, those pitchers, for the most part, they suck. They're not going to make it to the majors. Uh, the in AAA, most of them also suck. Like, there are great pitchers you're going to face. You're going to face good veterans that are down there. But a lot of them, baseball is hard. And so many of these guys never, ever make it. There's the, there's the old stat where basically every single human being who has ever played in the major leagues, every single major leaguer would not fill one modern major league baseball stadium. There's been a little over 20,000, I think, 21,000 maybe at this point. That is an incredible number because it is so hard to get to that point. And it's even harder to stay. That's that, Mm -hmm. you know, cup of coffee and you had like three days and then that was it. That was your whole career. So I think this is a good cautionary tale of minor league numbers do not translate one-to-one to the major league. However, that being said, I also think it's a cautionary tale to not see guys that try fail can never succeed again we already brought up uh jose ramirez he looked worse than josh Lowe yeah. in multiple major league appearances now there's a lot of guys that just look like that and that's actually that was their high water mark they actually get worse somehow but it is a very difficult adjustment the adjustment from that minor leagues to the majors is the biggest jump possible. It's, I, I think I also heard what double A to triple A is the, the first biggest jump. The next one is to the majors. And it's, it's that level of talent, speed, skill, just everybody is age. Great. You're not playing kids anymore. You're playing grown. That's the other, yeah. You're not playing kids anymore. You're not, you're not even facing guys that maybe you're trying to work on something. Like maybe there's right. a guy that's like the, the, the team is saying, you know, we really want to get your fastball location down. So we're going to just like, don't worry about your slider right now. We're just going to try fastball location. And you get that guy on that game when they're working on something entirely different. And the team is like, we don't worry about the results right now. We're just trying to work on X, Y, and Z. And then you're a good fastball hitter. You, you get, you know, two for three with a triple and a home run. Mm -hmm. And that's a great game, but that's not in the majors. Those guys are not working on stuff. They're working on how to destroy you. And they're, Everybody is basically a well-established machine, especially with data on how to pick apart people. And it's a matter of how do you make those adjustments? So that's a long way of saying, <laughs> I don't know what to expect from, from Josh Lowe, from Taylor Walls, from Vidal Bruhan. I think the biggest thing is because you don't know what to expect from them is not to expect nothing, but it's to have better contingencies is to, you know, we, always expect injuries that the grind of baseball it's to maybe have 
some better plan B options and plan C options. I think Taylor Walls getting to play so much as he did was kind of rough for both Taylor Walls and the team and the fans and his viewers uh, because he can work fine as Brett Phillips is another good example. Fantastic as your fourth outfielder who can come in as defense, maybe starts a game here and there to give rest. Taylor Walls coming in every now and then play different positions a couple times a week, mostly, mostly off the bench, but having to start six days a week plays the third, I think at the third most played appearances on the team, he was just, he had, he was in every high leverage situation. It felt like that's brutal because that's definitely not his level of play. He is a utility infielder, not a starting shortstop in the major leagues. Now he could develop into that, but I think for the Rays, you don't plan on that. You have, you have to thread a really delicate balance right now between you don't want to just punt on all of your young talent that, that has been, you know, some of the best in the, in the minor leagues that tons of scouts and people that get paid a lot of money to, to review have said, like, these guys are great. You don't want to punt them entirely, but you also have to make these tough calls of, instead of amassing talent, but like who gets to start, is there room for them? And then what is your plan if they don't succeed? How far do you let them go? Mm -hmm. um, Joshua is the guy that I want to talk about because in particular, he is the guy, he's bounced around a little bit. I'm very intrigued to see how the team handles him. I, I personally am not, I've never been very high on either of the low brothers. They, they both struggled so much on uh, fastball velocity. Uh, Nate Lowe was the, worst hitter who's the third worst hitter in all of major leagues at fastball velocity 95 miles an hour or above and the way the game is going you're going to see a lot of fastballs like that especially if you can't hit it now he has done a great job of adjusting uh he has a good eye for the zone so he's able to kind of spit on some pitches and he's been able to get better at fastballs at that elite level and then feast on the breaking balls and off speed that he always has and Nate Lowe's turned into a very good slugger. Uh, this is his breakout year this year for Texas. And you kind of hope that Josh Lowe has similar a similar jump where Nate Lowe looked lost for a couple of years too. And he had similar issues, long loopier swings, couldn't catch up to the, the heater, uh, really had a good eye for the plate, but was also too passive in a lot of ways. Josh Lowe at his last iteration with the Rays, started to actually get into a little bit of a groove, seemed to look a little bit more comfortable, started to hit a lot better. Um, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but it was well over, I think it was like 120 uh, WRC plus for about 150 plate appearances. So it was a good long stretch. But will that be the sustainable? It's the move counter move. When the pitchers figure that out, they do the next move. Can you make that counter? I think letting Josh Lowe have that opportunity this year to start it off to be the Austin Meadows role was fine. I think going into next year, I could see the Rays doing the exact same thing as saying, okay, let's roll that back. Josh Lowe, you get one more chance to break camp as the starter because you can have some backup plans, but it's just really a matter of what are those backup plans? Who's your option if it doesn't succeed? And when do you pull the plug? The, the last thing I want to bring up before we go to break, uh, and, and it kind of t it ties into exactly what you're saying with the pitching as great as it was last year and as good as it looks for this coming year with Tyler glass now extended, like he will 
be pitching for the Rays next year. They, they, I mean, I won't say never, but they're not going to trade him this offseason. Maybe by July, maybe by next offseason, but I think that extension means that he will start the season with the Rays. With Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs, plug in whoever else in, in, in a great bullpen that was elite throughout the season despite the injuries to top guys. You know, J.P. Fireisen was one of the best relievers in baseball when he went down. Andrew Kittredge was the same. Uh, Pete Fairbanks looks better than ever. Like the elite pitching staff that that has a, probably a better outlook for 23 than it did for 22. Would you be comfortable or would you at least be intrigued if the Rays decided, you know what, we're going to basically jettison all of our talent above the age of 30 on the position player side. And we're going to plug in Isak Paredes over Yandy Diaz as the everyday third baseman. We're going to we're going to see what we get for Yandy Diaz in the trade market. We're going to maybe you know get rid of Troy, however you want to do that, and 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 let someone else play first base. Maybe you move a Jonathan Aranda to first base full time, or a Brandon Lau to first base full time, and you plug Vidal Brujan in as your super utility player. Where yes, he's going to play right, center, second, third. You know, you've got Taylor Walls as your maybe a, a similar type of utility player on the infield. And do you let these guys have a full season? You know, they're, they're all going to get 500 plus plate appearances. I mean, you keep, you know, some of those veteran presences like Brandon Lau is going to be in his age, like 29 season, I think next year. Um, you still got Randy Rosarena. You still got Manuel Margot, but but maybe move on and even maybe try to move on from a from a Harold Ramirez or or some of these other guys and just fully like know your offense is going to be just as mediocre, maybe even below average next season and trust that your pitching staff gets you back to the postseason. You make another run at it and, and maybe those guys get better. Maybe this full season provides that that boost they needed to, to take the next step at the big league level. I don't know if I go the whole way. I don't know if I go all the way. I think I think you might end up close to that just by just by kind of almost accident. Because um, you mentioned like get rid of all of the 30 plus talent. And then and you're like, there's actually really only two, two guys. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> Tristan Bethencourt's over 30. So you could you could maybe get rid of him too. And some yeah, of the free agents you're losing are, are in their 30s now too. And we'll talk about there's those There's not after a lot of old guys on this team. It's not like we got to get younger. Uh, Yandi, you just turned 30. Uh, ancient, <laughs> ancient Methuselah over there at age 30. <laughs> No, but I, I think I think with the Rays, uh, I think you look at I think you can absolutely look at a Yandi Diaz trade. I think the thing with Yandi that's interesting is I don't know he might fall almost into a Kevin Kiermeyer situation for the Rays where the Rays value him higher than the market values him. Like his on base ability, his lack of power is like fine because his on base ability is the best. He's one of the three best on-base guys in all of baseball. So it doesn't matter that he's six foot nine, 300 pounds of pure granite muscle, and he only hits like 12 home runs a year. Uh, he gets on base. And that's amazing at an elite level. So whatever, we love it. I think you can look at that trade. The value is probably never higher, and he has had injuries in the past. I still think what you get back, it, it would take an actually big move to actually trade him because I think the Rays still like him, still fairly affordable, and he is a good kind of presence, veteran presence. Um, I do think you could probably see, I think the areas where 
and this will segue into our next segment. I think the areas where the team could have openings, where you have a few openings that are left for young guys to take the reins. You don't necessarily plug in a average major leaguer there, but you do look to see if you can upgrade at, you know, you set your price, you go for your upgrades in trades, in free agency, whatever. And then if you can't get them, your fallback plan is maybe a Josh Lowe and a Jonathan Aranda. I think that's the way I would probably look at it is not necessarily close off the gap to them, but if you can't get like a really good impact player via free agent or trade, then you have these young guys with another year to potentially make an impact. And I think the option, the places there right now, if I'm looking at it, are first base, there's right field, possibly catcher, um, and then DH spot they like to keep as a rotation. So I, if I'm looking at right now, I'm looking at third base, first base, right field, catcher as the areas where you could potentially shuffle things around, upgrade, whether that means trading Yandy Diaz or maybe keeping Yandy and moving him to first or upgrading only two of those in impact. But I think you, you have players that can play those positions, young guys right now. I think you don't necessarily close it off, but I think that's the areas where you look and pursue, but you pursue in a smart fashion, like the ways do, the way the way the Rays do. You don't necessarily try to have to win a trade or win out in free agency. You have to set your right price on guys that you really believe in as as big time upgrades, not just uh, safer floors. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the the goal is bigger upgrades rather than safer floors is is the key the way i would proceed with the race yeah don't go out and sign a free agent just because you need it for like don't if you miss out on uh i don't know jock peterson don't go out and sign eric Hosmer. like don't don't just go get a left-handed bat because you need a left-handed bat like if those I, I would be very interested in a guy like jock peterson i don't know if the Rays would be i, I don't know what his market's going to look like but don't just go try to fill it up with with another veteran. I, I think, yeah, you, you you try for, and the Rays always have, we'll go after the big fish. Again, it was reported by Juan Toribio that they offered Bryce Harper a one-year $50 million contract. Maybe we can we can touch on that on the other side of the break. Um, but then if you miss out, don't just force it. Maybe you let Josh Lowe um, have a full season in the outfield or at least try to have a full season in the outfield. So, yeah, I don't want to see Yandy Diaz traded. Like, he's been my favorite Ray for, for a couple of years now. Um, maybe the time is right. Maybe the right offer comes in, but like you said, um, the market might not be there for him. So we'll take a quick break. And on the other side, we're going to take a look at some of the impending free agents that the Rays have. And if any of them, even though we just talked a lot about youth, if any of these veteran players are worth taking another look at. And we're back on Raise Your Voice, and, and we're going to get into the the impending free agents in just a second. But I, I did mention on, in the in the first segment that Juan Trebio reported in an article uh, last week. Juan Trebio, formerly of uh, uh, the Rays beat, he wrote for for MLB.com and the Athletic. Now writes or covers the the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, and in in an article, he mentioned that the Rays had offered when Bryce Harper was a free agent when he left the Washington Nationals. Now. Um, you know, just a few innings away from from the World Series with the Phillies, the Rays did make a one-year, fifty million dollar offer for him. Um, I, just a shocking number. It would, and uh, it, it, it wouldn't shock me to hear that other teams had similar offers. 
um, when it was kind of reported that Harper might be looking for a one-year deal if he couldn't get the deal he, he, he was really looking for. But $50 million not only would be the highest, you know, annual salary in franchise history, it'd be the highest annual salary in like North American professional sports. <laughs> Uh, just an insane number. And yes, one year deals, you know, who cares that money, you know, just spend it for a year and then you don't have to worry about it the next year. Um, but kind of a crazy little nugget in that article, Darby, were, were you shocked by this? And I mean, did you, did you kind of go through your head? Like what reality would have looked like had, had Harper just said, yeah, why not? Let's go play in, in St. Pete for a year. Uh, no, I did not allow myself the fantasy because <laughs> I think that's too painful. Um, it, you know, did it shock me? The number, I think, a one year fifty million is just a shocking number. <laughs> like even you, like it, like you can't like just think of that like immediately and not just be like, whoa, oh wow, that's a lot of money. Um, but I don't know if I'm like fully shocked that the Rays would go like for a crazy high and kind of creative signing option, right? Like you cannot compete with the Phillies in that market for Bryce Harper at like, I forget what he ended up getting, but it was seven plus years, 10 years. It was like 13 with was no 13? options, no opt outs. It was only like 25 million average annual value, but it was a lot of years. But it was a long time. Yeah. So like you can't compete with that. That's it. That's, that's like, that's a crazy big number. And you know, Bryce was smart to take it. And I, it's been super fun to see him, you know, kind of embrace Philly right now. But I do like that option of getting in there and being like, okay, Bryce Harper is an impact guy. One of the best uh, outfielder, one of the best hitters in all of baseball. We can't do the years, but we're not going to insult you. I think when people think like the Rays get in and on trades and it's like, they're not actually trying. I think people think that means like, oh, they offered him one year, 25 million, which would ne- which would be an insulting offer. It would be not worth filing the paperwork or the time. One year, 50 million is fun because it's basically saying like, listen, Bryce, we know we can't do the years. This would be a short-term engagement. But if the if the market is not there for you for the length of years, it'll it'll maybe it'll be there after one more year. Yeah. You know, so I, I like that kind of an offer, right? Is you, the raise set your value and they, they have gone big game hunting before. And I think they've made competitive offers before. But the thing with free agency is it takes two to tango. It is not an auction. You can't you can't just spend more than the other team and get that guy. I mean, fifty million in Florida with no state income tax is a huge amount of money. That's an amazing amount of money, but doesn't offer the long term security. And you know, I think Bryce he wanted to basically he seemed like a guy that really wanted to be a team guy, like a mm-hmm. I am an icon, face of a franchise. I think that it was kind of getting a little bitter the way it ended in Washington because they decided to not make him their franchise guy. And they eventually decided to not make anybody their franchise guy. Uh, But I think he wanted a place to be like, I'm signing. It's going to be forever. And you're going to, I'm going to be the guy in this place, which is awesome. I like that. That's cool. He didn't, he could have been, there was all that talk. Like he could go year to year and just like rack up money, you know, like 50 million for one year deals, like, like an absolute headhunter. But he chose 13 years. That's great. With Freddie Freeman, the Rays, by all reports, offered the most money. And that's not even including the additional money you get from the lack of taxes. 
but it seemed pretty clear that he wanted either LA or back to Atlanta. And Atlanta was maybe his top choice. Atlanta wanted to move on to, to Matt Olson. So he went to LA. That's fine. Like that's your choice. But I, I think the Rays getting involved in that, I, I think some people see that as like a waste of time. I don't, I think you, those big fish, you get like one shot at one of those every decade, basically. Or you get multiple shots, but you can only really land one. Like you don't get too many of those. So you take your shot, you see, maybe it doesn't work out. Most, yeah. here's the thing. 29 other teams didn't sign Freddie Freeman. 29 other teams didn't land Bryce Harper. Like that's how it works. Like there's a lot of teams that don't win that everybody else loses in the free agency battle. So I'd rather the Rays be interested and, and, you know, take a shot, a smart shot uh, and see, and see where it ends up. It's pretty funny. I mean, there were, and, and, and I'm not going to name this person by name. I don't want to you know start any beef, but there was one, um journalist and she wasn't actually writing for sports now i think she is back in the sports realm but saying how you know the rays could easily sign harper for a one-year 35 million dollar deal and improve their team and they're just choosing not to uh, when in fact they offered 15 million dollars more than that and it still didn't work out like yeah why said. cheap why cheap out bryce harper yeah exactly how, how dare you anti-labor <laughs> um, low-balling but... <laughs> low-balling them but yeah, it takes two to tango, and I think as 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 Rays fans, we can admit that on a national scale and probably on a player to player scale, like the, the perception of going to play at the Trop for eighty one games a year, and yeah, I'm sure Bryce, there'd be a little bit of a Bryce Harper bump in it for attendance, but not over the course of a whole season, or you know, like the case of Freddie Freeman, the course of a six year contract, um, but. There, there probably is that perception of the Rays. Is this a place now? Players that have actually played here have loved it, um, or most have. Mm-hmm. You, you hear a lot of players go off and say, "Yeah, it's great. The, the you know the fans are great, um, the area is great, uh, no state income tax is great, and the, the the organization is great." But you know, a player that's a free agent might not think, "Okay, like a guy like Bryce Harper who wanted to be a franchise player who wanted to go down as." you know, a, a household name forever. And I think he's probably potentially go to the hall of fame with a, with a hat with right. like, mm-hmm. and, and right now he has the chance, like he keeps this up. It'll be a Phillies hat. If he brings a world series to Philadelphia. Yeah. He might, it's one of those things where suddenly that's your hat in the hall of fame plaque. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and also the, I think a lot of people fixate on, on average annual value more than like total, money guaranteed or years like Bryce Harper can sign a 13 year contract and never, you know, you know, and I think he's got a no trade clause in there. Like, I think he can say, okay, I'm going to play the rest of my career in Philly. He's got a wife and I think one, at least one kid, they can live there now and have a ton of money and never have to think about moving. Um, And also, yeah, I mean, I think that the total number for the contract was, was, was well over $200 million. Um, it had to have been if it's a 13-year deal. So um, I think a lot of people think like, ooh, 50 million average annual value. Why didn't you take that and then hit free agency again? It's not like the it's probably not the most fun thing to hit free agency. I'm sure some guys enjoy it, uh, but some guys want to just have their offseason and report back to spring training every year in the same place and 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 go through their 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 career, their job. Baseball's so. routine. Baseball's yeah. routine. And and yeah, there's and especially when those guys become like Bryce, like have a wife, have kids, like 
the family aspect becomes a big part of it. You don't necessarily want to like move everybody. And yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, I, you know, so like, okay, when it comes to free agency, right, that means like Trey Turner is probably the big, Trey Turner, Carlos, uh, um, well, uh, you're not going to get uh, Xander Bogarts, but like he, you know, he's out there too. Like you have a lot of like Correa, Bogarts, Turner. It's like really a shortstop heavy free agency class. And the biggest problem there with the Rays too, not only besides the money, is you already have your franchise shortstop. And are you going to move him? I think the Mariners are in a similar problem where they have a shortstop who's like their team captain in JP Crawford, who's not as good as either of those guys, any of those guys, but their hole is second base. And do those, does, while Xander Bogarts would be a much better second baseman than he was the shortstop, is he going to really find that to be the second baseman when he wants to be a shortstop? So it's like you also have to have the opportunity, like the open spot. Yeah. So like, okay, Xander Bogarts, you want to become the third baseman for the Rays? How does he want to be a third baseman at all? (laughs) Like, I don't know. Like it, it takes a lot, right? Like Carlos Correa would be an awesome third baseman, but he's also a better defensive shortstop than Wander Franco. So should you put him there? But now you have to move Wander off of shortstop. It's, it's one of those things where sure it, you work it out because you now have a greater talent, but it's part of the pitch. You have to sell the team, the role, the the placement. And so maybe you don't want to go there and be, you know, Manny Machado did. That's he he eventually became, you know, he was like, I'm gonna switch off a short, I'm gonna be a third baseman, he's gonna be a franchise third baseman, he's gonna do the things that need to do to become like elite at that level. And he did. And he did that when it was JJ Hardy uh as the shortstop. So he then was fine doing doing that with like San Diego and his body makes more sense as a third baseman. But yeah, I don't know. It's free agency is so tough because it's fun to be caught up in the rumors. It's fun to make those pitches, but everybody loses except for one team. And sometimes the team that actually gets the player is the team that lost the most mm-hmm. because sometimes you had to spend too much money and that player doesn't work out well. And it really hampers future options so when it comes to free agency i like that the rays are involved but i also like that they don't lose their heads yeah i, I think uh, for, again from the family aspect of it like ashley McHugh, colin McHugh's wife she talks about it like every year around the trade deadline on her twitter account how yes as fans we were always you know on the edge of our seats what's the next big trade gonna be i've got like mlb network on and tweet deck and all these things I'm, i want to be the first to hear the news where it's like these these families and the players themselves are like, oh crap, am I gonna have to move across the country with my with my wife and children, you know, like on the like with no notice? Like, oh boom, you work for you work for this other job now. Like you you have a new employer now. Um and it's not always the most fun thing to do. So um yeah, I, I'm I'm in full agreement with with all your points there, Darby. I wanna before we wrap up today's show, um go through the the race have four free agents. I guess I mean, Matt Whistler is also going to be a free agent, but I, I don't even know if he's still like on the roster in any way. But the, the four guys that were on the roster, um, I, I guess we'll start with the longest tenured Ray, Kevin Kiermeyer, who does have an option for an extra year on this deal, which would pay him $13 million. Uh, but the Rays can, and all signs are pointing to them buying it out for $2.5 million, which means he would enter free agency with a nice chunk of change in his pocket 
um, Darby, I mean, any chance, Kim? I, we've talked about this. You and I have talked about this on the show before. Um, but now, given Jose Siri, Manuel Margot, and some of the other guys that the Rays have or might be interested in, is there any chance Kevin Kiermaier gets brought back? There's a chance because I think they do value what he what he brings. I think it's very low chance, though. I I, I do think the trade for Siri is the and then resigning Margot. It's I think mm-hmm. that's the. It, it was always going to be tough to keep everybody anyway. Like when it was Brett Phillips and Kevin Kiermeyer, Brett Phillips was the the heir apparent. Uh, right, Siri is the heir apparent, and you still have Margot as a guy that can play a really good center field, and the corner outfield spot. One is already taken by Randy. The other, that's a big area to add offense, and the Rays need to add offense. So whether that comes from Josh Lowe or whether it comes from signing a Jock Peterson, uh, that's probably an area you don't want to like lock up with, Mm -hmm. you know, a great defensive outfield. If you had Jose Siri and Kevin Kiermeyer and, and Randy Rosarena, that's an amazing defensive center field. But I don't know if Kevin Kiermeyer would come back for a lesser role, especially in Tampa, which is in, in Tampa Bay, where it's like, this is his franchise. He was the face of the franchise for so many years. It would feel like kind of a demotion and it might be an opportunity for him to go to another place get a couple more years in if his body allows it and then uh and then come back with the raises you know maybe doing some announcing or something like that which he the the team was able to kind of give him at the end of the year he's definitely got the face for tv and i thought he was actually pretty good at it but to say he's gonna come for doug lecter's job he's gonna be sliding in there <laughs> and be like yeah <laughs> move on over we love Doug. By the way, that's a joke. We Doug, Doug doesn't shouldn't go anywhere. He's great. We love Doug Wechter. For sure. Uh, the tribute video they did for Kiermaier at the end kind of felt like a goodbye. It felt like maybe those conversations have already ha- been ha- like ha- have already happened. Maybe they happened going into the season. Um, it, yeah, it it feels like this is the end. When it comes to that, when you talk about the conversations, that's that's the part that I think with the video, with the stuff, the Rays have all have long been known as like a front office that really kind of cares about the human side of things and Mm -hmm. like actually chatting with players. Blake Snell's talked about it where he was told like, Hey, there's a real chance that San Diego is going to match our, our number. And we're going to, you know, this could happen. So like they they've talked to him about it. They've talked to Charlie Morton about the option. They talked to, uh, to, to, they talked to so many guys about, these things. And I think that transparency is really important, right? It's saying like, listen, KK, this is kind of the, this is the way things are going. We're not closing the door, but it's looking likely. And we want to make sure that when we end the season, like what are some things that you would like to do? Do you want to try out an announcing? Let's do, let's, let's you do some color with BA and Dwayne in the booth. Let's give, let's give a really cool tribute video at the trop while everybody in attendance can 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 give you the honors that you deserve let's let you kind of walk around the stadium and like actually say goodbye to people and like i think i would be surprised if there wasn't that radical transparency with him to be like it's probably not going to be here so i want you to prepare again he has he has a wife he has i believe two kids uh, they've all been born like here like they've lived here but I think that's also time. important though, is like giving them the opportunity, like months in advance, like this is coming up, like the chances are we are going to move on 
as a team. So we don't want this to be a sudden thing that you have to, to do. Like we're going to decline your option. And now that's a, that's out of nowhere. That's out of the blue. Yeah. I think it is more important to, to be honest and maybe, maybe plans change, but maybe a trade comes up with Siri or Margot or Randy and you want Kevin Kiermaier back, but it'd be better to be like, this is the plan right now. Let's let me bring you in. I think that's just good management. I think that's good management is being transparent, being clear and saying like, this is the way things are right now. Things could always change, but this is the way they are right now. Yeah. So unlikely he's back. This one, I think next one is a little more interesting. Mike Zanino. So only played in 36 games this year, really struggled at the plate, um, but coming off the best year of his career in which he had 33 home runs, had a 134 WRC plus, um, and is obviously great behind the plate as well. But he is getting older, going to be his age 32 season next year. And again, catchers are a hot commodity once they hit that, that free agent market. I think there's going to be other suitors for Mike Zanino. So the question is, are the Rays one of them? And are they willing to put up the cash that other franchises might be maybe more desperate or more eager to to go after a veteran catcher like Mike Zanino? Uh, so for, for Zanino, who's, again, I, I have long been a massive Mike Zanino fan and a staunch defender for years. So last year was a great year to like kind of um, – celebrate and rub it in everybody's faces who had much maligned him to be like, ha, 30 home runs, the best. Uh, I would love to see him back, but it's all about medicals. It's all about, because he had the thoracic, thoracic outlet syndrome, which is one of the most mysterious of injuries when it comes to, to ball players and athletes. It's not as simple as like, this is an easy fix. And this is what happens after. The outcomes are so varied. Some, some players rebound entirely. Some never do. Some or some between it's, it's a very weird uh, kind of, kind of nerve thing. So if he is healthy and he, and the medicals clear, which the Rays will hopefully know, uh, I would love to see Mike Zunino back. I think he would be, the catching market is, is very bleak. It is very thin. Trades would be very expensive to get like a Sean Murphy. Uh, You're going to have to give up some really good talent, like top, 10 talent like the Oakland A's are not going to part with him for nothing um and the free agent market is really bad like it's Wilson Contreras and like that's it yeah uh so so and he's not the best defensive catcher either which the Rays really really put a high premium on so I think with Mike Zunino who's a who's a Florida man uh he went to the University of Florida um I think there could be, I could see a reuniting of Mike Zanino as the starting catcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. And if the Rays are interested in that, it would mean to me that his medical is cleared and I'd be very excited about it. So if he's healthy, I actually think he would be somebody that I would really want to, I would want some other team to really beat you for the money, like make a price that you just cannot afford to pay that you really just do not want to pay. And then at the very least, Mike Zunino gets it back. For sure. For sure. I, I, I think he's the most likely of the four. Um, if they're to bring him back. Uh, another, I would I would kind of be interested. Like if he wants to stay in Florida, if the Marlins wanted to go after him, like they've got, I think I really like Jacob Stallings, who they have as their catcher now. Uh, but if they wanted to bring in Zanino to kind of split time with him or compete with him for that 
quote unquote number one job, that would be interesting. If you wanted to stay in, that's really the only reason I mentioned the Marlins. Uh, but I think there would be that mutual, or that there'd be interest from Zanino. Uh, I think he really likes playing for the Rays, being back in Florida. Um, I think he's the most likely, but I, I, I have to really see how the catching market kind of plays out, what teams are looking for, what other trades happen. Um, moving on to David Peralta, he was acquired at the deadline um, from Arizona. He was making $7.5 million this year. He's going to his age 35 or 36 season. Uh, it, it it would feel, I, I think he kind of falls into that category of like guy, free agents that I wouldn't want the Rays to push to sign if they don't get the top guys. And, and, and David Peralta is pretty good. And he did okay with the Rays. I don't really know if I want to see like a league average left-handed bat brought in at, at a free at free agent pricing i love david peralta the the human he seems like an amazing guy and it seems like a great teammate um seems like a like very high energy guy so always great for the clubhouse um and i think he's a very good player i think he's i think he's your safer floor for josh Lowe. i think yeah. we know that that david peralta is a really good major leaguer uh, and great at times, um, very good against right-handed pitching. So that's, that's something that the Rays want. However, corner outfield is a rich position. There is always fairly affordable trades to be had, especially at the deadline. So this does feel like an opportunity to go sign a guy who maybe makes a bigger impact if you don't get that, you have Josh Lowe, who you might kind of have internally as equal to David Peralta. Mm-hmm. And then if Josh Lowe doesn't work out, you can then trade for this year's version of David Peralta or Andrew Benintendi or Jock Peterson or Eddie Rosario or Jorge Soler. Like there's always a fairly affordable corner outfielder or six available mm-hmm. at the deadline. So I think that's an area where you, you make a bigger swing if you don't get it to upgrade. And then if you don't get it, then then I think Josh Lowe maybe takes that spot. So I, I say David Peralta would be a no here. I don't see it, but I wouldn't I'd talk myself into it just because he's a really fun person. So if if they raise find him, we're like, this guy we think is gonna be if if you maybe trade Josh Lowe and then sign Peralta if you don't get a bigger fish that's an okay thing too I can see that outcome there but I think that's just a matter of like how how it all shakes out but yeah I I I would be surprised if David Peralta is brought back same same uh last one before we get go get out of here today Corey Kluber was signed as a free agent to a one-year deal um I think this is a train that is going to wreck at some point and father time is going to win out he's going to his age 37 season um he was pretty effective for good stretches of this year did finish with a 4-3-4 era um which was like i mean if you throw out his 2019 injured season where he only made seven starts was like his worst year in terms of first worst full season in terms of era um, the walks, like he completely eliminated, like the lowest walk rate, I think, of his career. Um, but obviously, I think he just kind of resorted to throwing a lot of strikes, a lot of stuff in the strike zone. So 
Um, the strikeout rate dipped a lot. His stuff maybe isn't, you know, definitely isn't the same pre-injury, you know, that was four or five years ago. Um, I don't want to, to, like, have Corey Kluber when the wheels come completely off of this thing. And he, he, he just starts getting lit up left and right. And I, I don't know if that'll happen in 2023, but it wouldn't shock me if that's the year where he's just no longer effective in the big leagues. And I, I just wish that's with another team and not the Rays. Again, loved having Corey Kluber. I think the Rays are pretty comfortable. We've seen him do it with Charlie Morton, and then they did it with, with Corey Kluber go out. And obviously Morton was, was a much, I think, hot, bigger ticket signing than, than Kluber. Um, but I think they're comfortable going into the free agent market and, and, and finding a, a veteran guy to sign up to a one- or two-year deal. Um, they did it with with like Michael Walker and Rich Hill, even though those two didn't work out. Um, and I think there's ample guys they could go out and get for, for, for a season or two um, to, to replace what Kluber did and, and be that, that, that number five spot in the rotation next year. Yeah, I think the Rays are always going to look at um, – they, they like having a veteran arm in there uh to play around with um to go with the, all the young guys and with when it comes to pitching you know you can never have enough uh but the rays are kind of getting to a point where they are running out of room for a yeah. lot of guys on the 40 man so you have your 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 top end are, are locked up like the top four are all fantastic and they're all locked in there you could easily roll into the season with Yanni Chirino says you're number five and be very happy. It's true. Um, honestly, even like Ryan Yarbrough, Josh Fleming, like those are yeah. fine guys when you have, they, they have performed well in the past and their internal metrics look a little bit better, but yes, you'd probably want to upgrade on those, but they're running out of 40 man space. So it's either you have to get rid of them or you have to put them in the major league roster. Uh, you have Taj Bradley. Who's, who's, you know, the next big prospect call up away. You have Luis Patino who's still just 22, like could have a big leap. This could have been his big leap year, got injured for most of it, but then you have Luis Patino. So I think with between Chirinos, Patino, and Bradley, you may not even need to sign a veteran uh, fifth starter, but but the Rays always seem to like to do at least one. All that being said, I don't think that's Corey Kluber who I think is actually good enough to be a number three on most teams. Yeah, so he could definitely get a starting else. role, a big league deal, make a few million dollars somewhere else next year. I don't want yeah, to be the I think that he's like a, I think a very much a one year, 10 to 12 million signing, <laughs> like starting, starting pitcher. Like he's a three, four in a lot of rotations right now. And I just don't know if the Rays would value him at that level in the sense that, we don't really need that valuable valuable of a fifth starter when you have Yanni Chirinos, who you kind of need to work like you need spots for guys, 40 man spots and active roster spots. So I could see the Rays going with a more of a like a big swing, um, like type of like buy low interesting guy like i don't know i i don't i don't know who but like tyler anderson it'll be, some young, it'll be some old guy that you're like oh yeah that guy's still playing and then he like has like a three five era for the race cookie carrasco maybe he's gonna be like 36 oh there you, there's your name there you go you both perfect yeah carlos carrasco i could see i don't know alex cobb from the giant like comes back uh good 
there's so many like of those types, right? That are like older, just try them out. If they don't work, it doesn't matter. You, you then have like Patino or right. Taj Bradley to take a spot. Um, but I think they, they'll, they'll get some veteran starting pitcher. But I think Corey Kluber, who's good enough, obviously, to do it. Like, you would, you would make that rotation really good if he's your fifth starter. Uh, I just think somebody's going to value him a little bit more than fifth starter pricing, which is fine. And yeah, I hope that, yeah. yeah, there are teams that are probably in much have much bigger needs for starting pitching. Um, Nate Evaldi would be another name. We can, we can take a deeper dive into, like, starting pitching targets for the Rays. Um, but yeah, there, there are plenty of interesting names. That Those are all free agents that I named too. There are plenty on the trade market as well. Um, but yeah, it should be an interesting offseason. As always, the Rays are going to be busy. There's going to be, you know, probably some big pushes for some some big named guys, but also a lot of under the radar moves and different shuffling in the roster. And next week, I'll be talking to Cole Mitchum about the roster crunch and how the Rays have to make things work on the 40-man roster. So that's going to be a really fun episode. But Darby, thank you for coming on today and kicking off uh, the the offseason here on Raise Your Voice. Uh, even though we wish the Rays were still playing, I think uh, secretly or maybe not secretly, uh, we all love the offseason. We all love the anticipation for, for what the Rays might do going into next year and then trying to see if, if any of those moves work out. It is very fun. And uh, right now with the watching the Yankees get um, absolutely bodied by the Astros, I think it, it does make me feel a little bit better at like, well, the World Series wasn't probably going to happen this year. Although it does make me a little mad that if we could only have scored like a couple more runs it would have been the rays that were getting absolutely yeah. bodied by the astros right now it is it was, should have been the rays being swept out of the postseason not the yankees and, and, and as much as i pick fun at the yankees i'm still envious that they're there and we're not uh but also it is very fun to absorb the schadenfreude of yankee fandoms collective meltdown at yeah. losing to the Astros. That's yeah. almost that's almost as good as actually winning and being <laughs> in the ALCS is seeing a team that you just like imploding and their fandom absolutely self-immolating having to face the Houston Astros and their juggernaut of, of frustrations. For sure. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Once again, thank you to Darby Robinson for coming on this week. If you like what we do on the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network, make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcast so that every new episode of Raise Your Voice and who's on worst once we ramp that back up for the offseason here shortly. So make sure all of those episodes are downloaded directly to your device. You just wake up in the morning. They're already there for your commute to work or for your morning walk, whatever it is you like to do. The D-Rays Bay Podcast Network will be ready right there for you to listen as always make sure to head on over to theracebay.com to check out all the great off-season coverage i know there's already a couple good pieces about how the rays are going to manage the 40-man roster this offseason and some potential moves that they're going to make like i said i'll have cole next week to dive deeper into that roster crunch once again thank you to you guys for listening and i'll talk to you next week mm-hmm.